you got your Bible, open it up to Acts chapter 4. We're in the middle of, we're in a third week of a series that we're calling United. We took the first week and just, it was called United States. So we just looked at our state, the state of our union with Jesus. Through Jesus Christ, we're united to God. Everybody say amen for that. For that. That's great. So then last week, though, we looked at the United Kingdom. Not only are you united to God, but you're a part of his kingdom. And he said, there, he says, I'm from a kingdom that you know not of. And to my kingdom, there is no end. That there's this whole kingdom of God that we're a part of. That we're a part of the local church. But it's not just the local church. Not just, not just you and I. There's also a global church. That there's Christians all across the globe. Many of them persecuted. That they lay their life down for the cause of Christ. But there's not just the global church. There's also the eternal church. In other words, there's hundreds of millions of people. That the moment their hearts stop beating. Because of their relationship to God. Because of their union with God. To be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. Boom. And, and there's an eternal church that you and I. That we're a part of that united kingdom. And it's. Come on, it ain't the Rotary Club. Thank God for the Rotary Club. But what, what, what you and I are a part of, it is a kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of heaven. And uh, so, so, but not only are we a part of the kingdom, but we're also a part of uh, this local body here, which I really want to look at this morning. Is, is in this morning, I just want to call United Pursuit. That, that our pursuit... Uh, together as a as a church as a local body here that 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 it's important that we have a, a unity amongst ourselves and I, I, I want to pick up a little bit where I left off last week in that that the church has a lot of uh, in the Bible the church is described in some military terms not all military terms but the Bible tells us to to endure hardness like a good soldier Right? The Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God. The Bible says that the, the violent suffereth violence, but the violent taketh by force. And if you read the Old Testament, they conquested some things. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. Right? They weren't just walking. There, there, was, there, there was some battles. Right, They marched around Jericho and then they went in and they handled some business. Right, If you study Joshua, he still studied uh, to this day. He studied by military leaders as one of the greatest military leaders in the history of humanity. Joshua, he'd go in. I mean, the battles that he did. So there is this element to Christianity that whenever we show up, show up at church, that we're not just here rubbing elbows. We're not just here because our wife made us to, made us to come. Right, and we're not just here because we're in crisis. No, no, that whenever we show up at church, that we show up because this is our company, and that we have orders, and that we have an assignment. And uh, I told you last week that I was in the military for for a period of time, uh, a few years, not long, four years. I was in the military, and I, I started out in basic training. So after I raised my right hand, I said, "I pledge, you know, I solemnly swear to uphold the Constitution, of the United States of America." You know, and they they bring you through a list of things in peacetime, in wartime, and even to you, to death. Right? That that that's that's your commitment. But that was just the beginning. I mean, I know that that was just the beginning. And I think many times we do a disservice to Christians whenever we ask them to raise their right hand and pledge allegiance to Jesus and then lead them out the door as if that's all that there is to it. I mean, I know that they shipped my butt off to basic training. I did not stand up there and say, I took blah, 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 and went home with the GI Bill. Right? 
No, there ain't no going home with the GI Bill, right? There ain't no free college education unless you go through the process and go through the commitments of your enlistment. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all know sometimes we want, we want the free ride in Christianity that it offers? Come on, somebody. I know that, that this is just a fact. So sometimes we want the free ride, right? But, but, we don't, but, but after, I've, after I raised my right hand, I went through basic training, right? And they kicked my butt. Right, that they, they, they took me from a civilian and made me a soldier. Right, that they took they'll they'll take the iPad out of your hand and and put an M16 in your hand. Right, and you have to become proficient with things. They put a grenade in your hand. They put you in a gas chamber and tell you to breathe deep. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to. <laughs> Snot running all out your nose. I mean, it gets real quick. Right, it don't take long. From the moment you show up, you find out there are some things expected of me, and this is not. This may not be all that I thought it was going to be right there, there there's a sacrifice there and whenever we commit our lives to Jesus that there is a there is a process that he that he expects us to go through the church calls that big church word here comes a big church word for the day sanctification right though the army calls it basic training right that's what they call it that's what they're going to sanctify you I promise you you're going to be sanctified by the time you get over with but whenever you get done with there's a confidence there whenever you go from I can't march to I can march I can't shoot to now I can't shoot I don't I, I, I don't know anything about foxholes or grenades but once you get on the backside of it there's a there's there should be a confidence that comes out of it that whenever you put on your go from your BDUs to your dress uniform and they start pinning stuff on your lapels and on your chest that there, there's an honor there and in the in the body of Christ but but even beyond that there, there's there's other training so I didn't just go through basic training I, I was a 91 Delta now you don't know what a 91 Delta is but a 91 Delta I don't think you do was an operating room technician that was my MOS so whenever I enlisted I was going to be an operating room technician I was going to assist uh, the the physicians OR in, in the or in the OR and and but before I could do that I had to be a medic have y'all seen those movies? Medic! Real, real position, right? They're not making that stuff up. That's the real deal, right? And the medic's job is you've got to go in there and take people who are blown up. Their legs are blown up. They're, they've been shot up. Their, their arms are blown off. And it's a real deal. It's a real position. So I had to go through months of training on how to be a medic and how to show up into a situation where somebody and, and we had to we they simulated this stuff. Right. We had to do some some stuff was live fire, real rounds. You know, what I mean, you better keep your head down or you will lose it. Right. <laughs> they tell you, keep your head down. These are not tr these are not fake bullets today. These are the real ones. Keep your head down. Right. So, but we had to go in and there would be some. Somebody that's 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 not really blown up, but they're pretending, you know, they're covered in blood and we would have to take them and they had to teach us how to carry these people, you know, and there's there's an art to, to carry in people, right? Especially Don, stand up. Okay, Don, you can sit down. I mean, there's an art for me to carry Don. I don't want to carry Don. I want Don carrying me. Right, but if, but if I'm the medic and Don's blown up, right now it's now I've got work to do, right? So I got to show up to Don. His legs missing. I got to learn how to put on a tourniquet and give him his morphine. Boom, hit him, look him in the eye, and tell him you're going to be all right. We're going to get you out of here. Uh, you're you're going to make it, right? And, and but we had to learn all of that. How to put IVs in? How many ever put an IV in somebody before? 
Yeah, some of y'all are a nurse. You know what's up. Uh, I was not. I'm from Woodworth, right? <laughs> but I don't know how to put in IV. So you had to learn how to do that. And we learned on each other, which is weird. I think in medical school, they use like cadavers or something like we We learned on each other, right? It was like you're laying there in the field. And they're like, and the drill sergeants are yelling, and they're shooting, you know, they're trying to simulate a combat environment. Put an IV in. So you're grabbing the IV and you're trying to find it. How many of you ever tried, had somebody that can't find the vein before? I couldn't find it. I'll just tell you, I couldn't find it. So I'm digging. Oh, God, where is it? Where is it? I can't find it. I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is. But I mean, I know the flip side of it is, is next I'm going to be carried, right? And he's digging on me, man. And for, this is no exaggeration, for weeks, everybody in our unit, we're just bruised up because every day we're trying to find each other's veins, right? Just trying to find these veins. Just got to put an IV in. Got to do all this stuff. Why? Well, because there's, there's that training. Before we can even go into operating room technician, first I had to learn how to be uh, a, a medic. But my company is a, was a 91 Delta and we, our name was the Nasty Dogs. <laughs> I'm having a trip down memory lane right now. I'm just like... And, and we had, we had uh, sweatshirts. I, I wish I would, I would have loved to have preached in it this morning, but it's in my mother's house. We had sweatshirts, and on the back of our sweatshirt, it was a dog peeing on a water hydrant. <laughs> and up under it, it said, nasty dogs. <laughs> we wore that thing. It was a badge of honor to us. We were the 91 Delta. We're the nasty dogs, right? But that was my company. And we were from all walks of life. And we were all different colors, and we were, we were male and female, but within that company, there was something there that, that, was, that was different than, than what I had anywhere else on the planet. They were my company, right? We lived together, we ate together, we trained together, and we would have died together, right? That, that was our company, and uh, I want to show you this in Acts chapter 4 because I told you there's a lot of military undertones to the Bible. And in Acts chapter 4, the first verse I've, uh, I want to give you or I want to show you this morning is there's a lot of persecution happening at the church. The reason, One reason I want you to read the book of Acts is this is how the church began. Before the book of Acts, there was no church. There was a temple. And, but, but during the book of Acts, that's the birth of the church. The day of Pentecost happened, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter goes out, starts preaching. Thousands of people are getting saved just a few verses before what I'm about to read. In Acts chapter 3, 5,000 people, thousands of people are turning, are getting turned on to Christianity. And it's like a wildfire spreading through the, the city, spreading through Jerusalem. But, but, but so there, there became a lot of persecution and there became a lot of attacks. And Peter and John, they're going to the temple. Every day they would go to the temple and they would pray at 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock prayer every day at the church house. How many of y'all know it would be a good idea to reinstate some of these things, right? <laughs> Pretty effective. So every day they're going, to the, they're, going to the, they're going to church to pray. There's a man that's laying there at the gate. He gets carried and put there every day for 40 years. He hasn't walked in 40 years. He's literally, he's eat dust for 40 years. No, no there's no wheelchair so he lays on on the ground and dusty roads people walk by and he's there begging for alms that's what he's there for but the bible says that peter and john whenever they saw him on this particular day they said silver and gold have i none but such as i have 
I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And that man who had not walked in 40 years, his bones got strength. Have you ever seen anybody that hadn't walked? Probably no muscle there. But there became a work in that man's life. And that 40 years of what life had did him, Jesus through John and Paul was undone in a matter of minutes. And he got up and went nuts. Can you imagine? I don't think he got up and was just like, oh, well, thank you, fellas. Uh, I assume, you know, he got up and he went nuts. I mean, just bam. And it, through faith in the name of Jesus. I mean, y'all know he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still making lame marriages walk, lame people walk, lame bodies walk. He's in the, the lame fixing business. That's what our Jesus is. But this made a lot of, made some problems for Peter and John. And they brought them in. They basically arrested them and said, you can't preach in the name of Jesus. We forbid you from doing that. They would threaten them with imprisonment or beat them. But, but I love Peter because Peter was the one that denied Jesus, you know, three times. But Peter said, he says, I'm at a point in my life where if I'm going to uh, obey you or I'm going to obey God, I choose God. I love that. He said, I'm, I don't care what you say. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going, to keep, I'm going to keep telling the story. This is who redeemed my life from destruction. And I will keep telling the story. But, but they, were, they were under some, some real persecution, some real problems. So they come out of that situation. And then this is where I want to take you to. In Acts chapter 4, verse number 23, it says, And being let go, this is Peter and John, it says, They went to their own, what? What's it say up there? Company. Everybody say company. company. It says, They went... To their own company. Now that's King James Version. Different versions may say it different ways. But it says, but being let go, they went to their own company. In other words, there were maybe other companies, but they knew which one was theirs. And, and my admonition to you or my challenge to you is that we're a part of that we're united to God's and thank God for it. And we're united to his kingdom. Thank God for it. But it's important for you and I to find out who our company is. Because whenever, whenever, whenever we go through stuff... And, and our arms are blown off. There needs to be somebody that can stop the bleeding. There needs to be somebody that can administer the medicine and look you in the eyes and say, we'll nurse you back to health. You're going to make it. You're going to be all right. There needs to be somebody. There needs to be, there has to be a company in your life, a body of believers where you say, this is my company. And you can't run with every dog that hunts. You just can't. There's a lot of good dogs. There's a lot of people out there doing a lot of good stuff. But they knew where their company was. And after they got released and they're, they're, they're beat up by life a little bit. They've been shot. They got some bullet holes in them. They knew where their company was. And it says, and they went to their company and they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they, everybody say they. That once they reported, this is what's going on in my life, there was a corporate voice that was lifted to heaven. It says, they lifted their voice to God with one accord. We all have a, an individual sound, but there is a corporate sound that God sees and He recognizes. In the book of Revelations, when speaking to the churches of Ephesus, He, he gave each one of them a candlestick. And then there were times when he would come to them and he says, I'm going to take your candlestick away if you don't get this right. In other words, all churches have a candlestick. They have a light. And that light shines away in the darkness for people. But it's possible to lose your candlestick. My point is, is that all churches have a different candlestick. They have a different assignment. All companies, different regiments, different battalions. They have different 
different things that God has for them to do. The 91 Deltas, we were operating room technicians and we were field medics. That's what, that's what we did. So, so there's all different types of companies, but it's important for you to find out where yours is. Because when you're blown up, you're going to need somebody besides the television. And, and we live stream. And if you're watching me live stream because you, you were sick or something like that, thank God for live stream and thank God for Facebook Live and, and ch church online and all that type of stuff. But how many of y'all know there's a difference between playing video games that are war games? How many of y'all seen those kids? I'm playing modern warcraft or whatever they fight. Pew, 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 pew. How many of y'all know you drop his butt in Afghanistan and it's a whole different fight? It's like, it's like the, that, that, that screen, it may teach you some things, but, but there ain't nine lives whenever your butt gets dropped in Afghanistan. They will blow, they will, they will split your cranium, right? I mean, the, the, it's, it's a real deal out there, right? So, so thank God for all of these. We live in a technologically, it's amazing. I can watch preachers from all over the globe. I probably watch at least 10 hours of preaching every week just for fun. Like, I mean, it's amazing what you can do, but that ain't my company. This is my company, right? I, like I may get some, some extended training from different places, but this is my company. That this is, this is whenever I'm let go, this is where I come. And, and it's important for you and I that, that we have that, that there's a place where you can go where you lift your voice together in one accord. And he, they said, God, you're the, thou art God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all them in them is. But I want you to drop down to verse number 32. Drop down to verse number 32, Jennifer. And it says, and all the believers were united. Everybody say united. united. All the believers were united. We're part of God. We're part of the kingdom. But here he says that in this company, they were united. And they had the same heart. And they had the same mind. And there's always something trying to mess up unity. How many of y'all know that the enemy that we fight against, his number one weapon is disunity. He loves divorce. I mean, I know that's right. He loves it. He loves divorce in the church. He loves divorce in the home. He loves divorce in business, in finances. He, he, he brings division. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. His number one weapon is disunity. Number one, hands down, is if he can come in and mess some things up, that, that's his best course course of action. So we have to be on our guard, right, within our own company. We have to realize there's always something trying to, just for us to build this building was a tremendous obstacles we had to overcome for a three-year-old church to start going into a building process. But the minute the building was up, there, there was a lot of opposition that can, if you aren't watching it, it'll shift from the outside to the inside. Right, so you got to be on guard. you got to watch these things. And the Bible says watch and pray. Right, Be mindful of certain things. But my point is, listen, they had a company. And it's important for us to have a company. And it says all believers that are united in heart and in mind. They felt that what they had, they owned, was not their own. They shared everything that they had. Now, that, don't, now that doesn't just mean some people think, you know, that means they all had just one bank account. But uh, I believe really that it means that, 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 that whenever they were together, that they were a unit. They were really a company, right? It's like, well, that's my seat. No, it was like, that's my parking space. No, it was like everything. It's like, no, 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 this is our company, Right. And for me, whenever I was in the military, whenever we had our company, red, yellow, black and white, all different types of people, all different types of some of them educated, some of them rich, some of them poor, some of them, all these different demographics. But if you were a nasty dog, if you were a nasty dog, right? You, you, you were with us. So I want to give you this verse. The first one that I gave you in your worship guide just says Psalms chapter 133. 
Psalm chapter 133, verse 1 through 3, it says, How wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. It's like costly anointing oil. Really interesting here. He's, bless you, brother. He says, when, 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 when brothers and sisters are unified, when they're in unity, he says, it's like anointing oil. And it flows down the head, down the beard. And that's where God commands the blessing. How many of you want to be blessed? Everybody wants to be blessed. Bless me, Lord. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. He says, apparently, he says, there's something happens whenever you get with your company and you get unified. He says that there is this oil. There is this anointing oil. If you know anything about the Old Testament, I don't have time to teach on all of that. But they would take this oil and they would dump it. And they would, be, they would anoint a person. And we know that Jesus is the head of the church, right? We're his body. Jesus is the head and he sends signals to his body, the church, the same way your head sends signals to your body. How many of y'all thankful for your head? All right, how many of y'all know if you cut your head off, you're going to have some problems, right? It's going to be a bad day for you, right? It's going to be a rough afternoon. Don't know if we can fix that one. Um, but for the church, Jesus is the head of the church. His body, we're his body, the church. We do what the head tells us to do. But here he says there is an anointing that flows from the head down Jesus' face, down his beard. And it doesn't just stop with Jesus. It touches his collar. And it comes down through the body. And he says it's whenever brothers and sisters, believers, whenever that company, whenever it's unified. So there is an anointing that comes from God. And he says, and then I command the blessing. In that place, there's a blessing. And I know many of you have been in services before where everybody's praying together. It's like liftoff. Have you ever been in a service like that? Some of you, maybe you're new to church. You've never been in anything like that. But there's, it's different, right? Some of you have been in, in, in a worship service where it's just like one heart, one accord, one voice. It's like, there's, it's just different. And he says, in those places, he says, I'll command a blessing. So that, that I gave you your first blank in your worship guide. I want you to write unity is better than talent. In other words, it would be better for us, for our company to have, a bu- to have unity than just have a bunch of talented people. We've all seen sports teams that got talent, but they don't win championships. I mean, I've seen those. And you take other teams that maybe not, maybe not be as talented, but they just gel, right? They just flow. They know how to move the ball around. They, they lead and assist. They work as a team. It's just, it's just different. There's just something different about it. So, so, so it's important that we be unified. So I want to give you three things just how we can maintain our unity. And I I'm talking about the church this morning because for our pursuit together, I mean, I know this is good for to, to maintain unity at your house. Next week, I'm going to be teaching United Front and having a United Front at the house. But to have unity in whatever, whatever you're doing, that, that, that's better than just having a bunch of talent. There's one prayer that you and I, that, that Jesus prayed. How many of y'all know Jesus prayed? We all know Jesus prayed. And, 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 but there's one prayer that, that's really interesting that Jesus prayed that we can answer. And it's weird. It's like, how could I answer Jesus' prayer? We're usually the one praying to Jesus. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. Help, help, help. Kill him, Lord. Kill him. Right? Help, help, help. Whatever, you know, we're, we're used to praying. Jesus, but Jesus here, he prayed a prayer that you and I, that, that, that we can answer. In John chapter 17, verse number 20, 
John chapter 17, verse number 20. Jesus, this is Jesus praying. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be as what? One. This is Jesus' prayer. He says, my prayer is that they'll be as one. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So in other words, there needs to be some type of unity within a company for people to even believe that you're legit. <laughs> right? For them to even believe that what you're putting up, that what you're putting out there is even real or legitimate. Jesus is saying they need to be unified. He goes on. He says, I've given them the glory that you gave me. I told you unity is better than talent. Because he told you, he says, there's an anointing that comes when you get unified. And here he says, there is a glory that comes. How many of you ever been in a glorious church before? It's birthed in unity, I'll tell you that. It's not birthed in cool lights. The glory of God comes when there is a unity among the believers. He says, I've given them the same glory that Jesus has. Why? Because he's the head of the church. And we're his body. He says... He says, I in them, I'm sorry, he says, I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you and me, so that they, I'm sorry, he says, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Everybody say unity. And he goes on, but I don't have time to, 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 to keep reading that. But Jesus, he, he prayed this prayer. But this is a prayer that we can answer. But how many of y'all know that, that you'll have to, it's, it's, it has to be on purpose, right? That, that to, to, to be in a company, it's a, it's a purposeful thing for us to have united pursuit, right? I mentioned last week that whenever we were learning to march, we were a mess, Oh my God, it's like we had two left feet. How many of y'all watch Dance with the Stars? I don't because I'm a man. But uh, I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, I've been in the same room whenever it's on. But some of those poor people, right? And I can tell you, I would be the chief sinner among those, right? Like the Apostle Paul, if I was trying to do the cha-cha or whatever, it would be a mess. But how many of y'all know some of those people, the clumsiest people after a few weeks of some training... Man, they are light on their toes, aren't they? And you're just, you're, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm like, my man, look at him right there. Wow. I mean, you're just like, check him out. In the military, whenever we were starting marching, boy, it was just, it was just a mess. People, people just, but, but that willingness to just be united, united pursuit. That there, there came, there, there comes an anointing, there comes a glory, there comes something from heaven that unifies, but, but, but it happens on purpose. So three things I want to give you just to help us maintain our united pursuit. First one is, and you can write it in your blank there, is take the high ground. Always take the high ground. I grew up watching and I liked, uh, I still like to watch uh, nature shows. I wanted to be Marty Stauffer whenever I grow up, grew up. Most people don't know who my, Marty Stauffer is, but he would say, this is wild America. I'm Marty Stauffer. 
And he would follow, you know, these animals around. And I wanted to be Marty Stauffer. People ask me who I wanted to be when I grew up. It was Marty Stauffer and MacGyver because that dude was awesome, right? I mean, he could get out of anything with like a roll of some toothpaste and a roll of film or something weird. He's just like, we'll make a bomb. (laughs) I wanted to be that guy, right? But Marty Stauffer, you know, he films these animals. And I read last week of, of this cinematographer that was watching these two bighorn sheep. And I don't know if you know what bighorn sheep are. That's the ones that, that ram their heads. And he's filming, though, these two bighorn sheep. And they're usually pretty prideful animals, right? And this one sheep's trying to go up the mountain. This other sheep's trying to go down the mountain. And they've come to a place to where if they butt heads, one of them's going to fall off and die. Right? Somebody's going to die because their little feet are hanging on to this cliff. How many of you have seen these animals before? It's amazing how they traverse this terrain. But he said one animal... Uh, rather than butting heads, he said, this bighorn sheep laid down and let the other bighorn sheep walk across him so that they could both get where they're going. I mean, I know there's a lesson there for us to always take the high ground, right? For us to maintain our unity within our company. There has to be some, 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 some give and some take, some, some, some maintenance. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse, verse number 10, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus, that all of you agree with one another in what you say. Now, how many of y'all know we ain't all going to agree with each other? But he's not talking about just in like what we're going to eat. Where you want to eat? I don't know. Where you want to eat? Where you want to eat? And he's not talking about that type of agreement. He just says, in, in the purpose of the company, it's important that we're all saying the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you. But that you be perfectly, what? United. He says it again. He says, he says it's important for there not to be divisions among you. But that you be perfectly united in mind. And thought. My brothers and sisters, some are from Chloe's household that they've informed me that there's quarrels among you. And what I mean is this one of you says, Well, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, and another, I follow Cephas, and another, I follow Christ. He says, He says, That's not right for there to be. He says, so there needs to be somebody that's willing to take the high road and, and put all that stuff to bed, squash all that, say, No, 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 no. That stuff, that's insignificant stuff. We want the glory of God. In our presence. We want the anointing of God. In our company. That's what matters. Jesus prayed for us to be unified. And I told you at the beginning of this message. The whole overarching theme is. Is if nothing else. We are unified. Even on a Sunday when we're missing a lot of people. We may not have a drummer this week. But if nothing else. We are stinking unified. Right? Half of us may be. And fail. I don't care. Even when they ain't here. If nothing else. We are Unified, because that's where he commands the blessing. He commands the blessing whenever we're of one heart, one soul, one mind. No divisions among you. We are perfectly united in mind and in thought. Genesis chapter 13, verse 8. I told you, always take the high road. Abraham and Lot, at this point, Abram, his name is Abram, not Abraham. Abram and Lot, there starts to become a quarrel between them. Because they're starting to kind of run out of land. They both got a bunch of sheep. They both got a lot of herds. You know, a bunch of, they have a lot of animals. And there starts to getting some, some fighting in between Abram and Lot. And they're related, right? But, but Abram, he comes to Lot. And watch this verse, verse number 8, Genesis chapter 13. Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me. 
nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. For we are what? We are brothers. I love Abram took the high road. You know, we don't really hear a whole lot from Lot. I mean, I know we hear a lot from Abram. Abram turned out to be Abraham. Yeah, you heard of him? He's called the father of faith, right? We're all seeds. We ain't seeds a lot. Ain't nobody seeds a lot. No. In fact, whenever he told Lot, he he says, Lot, this is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to look around, spin around at 360 degree circle. Wherever there's the best land, wherever your flocks will do the best, you pick any direction you want to go. You take your flocks. And the Bible says Lot, he picked the best place, right? He looked out. He says, I'm going down yonder, right? That's where I'm going. And Abram said, he took the high road. He says, I'll take where? I'll go the opposite of where you go. You go to the good stuff. I'll go to the desert. How many of y'all know it worked out all right for Abraham? Turned out all right for him. So always take the high road. Second thing is stay little in your own eyes. How many of y'all know ain't nobody here too big to clean the toilets? I'll say that again. Ain't nobody here too big to clean the toilets. Ain't nobody here too good to take out the trash, right? No, we're, we're a company. We're a company in your family. How many of y'all know? Ain't nobody too good to do the dishes, right? Husbands and wives, right? Co-heirs together of the grace of God. Ain't nobody too good. So for us to maintain unity, we always got to be willing to take the high road. But we also have to be little in our own eyes. Romans chapter 12, verse number 3. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. I love the Bible. Don't y'all love the Bible? I love the Bible. You don't see that on, the, on no bumper stickers, though. Everybody's walking around in the fog, right? The favor of God. Everybody got their fog on, right? Or frog. I saw a frog the other day. I don't even remember what frog was. But I like this verse. It says, don't, don't think that you're any better than you are. I mean, I remember where you came from. Yeah, he does. We may not know, but he knows. He says, because be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measure yourselves by the faith that God has given us. In 2 Chronicles chapter 26, there's a warning that comes from a king. His name's King Uzziah. And I want you to see this. It's fascinating. King Uzziah, this is 2 Chronicles chapter 26. We're going to start in verse verse, uh, 5 is where I'm going to start. It says, King Uzziah, he sought God in the days of Zechariah. Who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Come on somebody, there's a whole message right there. We just camp right there for about three weeks. As long as King Uzziah sought the Lord, God made him prosper. God said, I'll make a deal with you. As long as you serve me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. If you acknowledge me in all your ways, I'll direct your paths and I'll make you prosper. He gives us the same opportunity. That's all New Testament. I just quoted to you. We have the same opportunity. But in the Old Testament, King Uzziah says, As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Watch this. Skip down to verse number 15. They're going to put it up on the screen so you don't have to find it on your phone or nothing. It says, And he made devices in Jerusalem. This guy's incredibly intelligent. He's a business guy. He's the king. King Uzziah. I mean, this is a, he's pretty connected politically. Right? 
He made devices invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners and to shoot arrows and large stones. They invented these trebuchets and how to, how to win battles so that his fame spread far and wide. For he was marvelously helped. God marvelously helped this individual until he became strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord, his God, by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, now listen, when you're talking about an individual who, who was prospered by God, who was marvelously helped by God, who, this, guy, this guy was the real deal. But he got to the point to where he got too big for his britches. How many of know what I'm talking about? He got too big for his britches. And he, he and talking about the temple here, the Bible says that King Uzziah, he barged into the temple or he barged into church. And he barged in there and the Bible says he went to go burn incense on the altar of incense. Well, if you know anything about the Old Testament, we did a whole series on this last year. Was, was there were certain places in that temple where only the high priests could go. But King Uzziah, he says, well, I'm marvelously helped. I'm prosper. He got too big for his britches. And, and he just barged himself up in there and, and, and got out of order, got out, got out of line. Now I want you to see how King Uzziah ended up. It says, verse number 21, it says, King Uzziah, he was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper. For he was cut off from the house of God. And then his son took over in his place. Really a tragic tale of somebody that just didn't stay little in his own eyes, right? So for us, for, for listen, ain't nobody, uh, uh, we're, we're in this company, we're in this thing together, in your home, in your family, in your job, wherever you are, it's nobody's, nobody's any better than anybody else, nobody's, nobody's any more talented, and that, that brings me to, to the third point, is for us to maintain our unity, we got to remember where we came from. How many of y'all remember where you came from? I was a mess, I can't speak for everybody, but I was jacked up. Right? I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I had orange hair. Can you believe it? I had orange hair. Actually, it was brown, and then it went to blonde, and then it went to orange, and then it was red on the tips. I was the epitome of cool. <laughs> I was cool on five levels. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was a mess, right? Total... Three cars, gone through windshields, plastic surgeries, incarcerated, went to jail a couple times, just a mess. A drug user, IV drug user, just an absolute mess. I mean, I know we got to remember where we came from. Whenever we come into a company, you come into an environment, don't matter if you've been saved 30 years, 40 years, we don't care, King Uzziah. God knows where we came from. And the Bible says if it weren't for his mercies, we would be what? Anybody know? Consumed. Except for the Lord's mercies, we would all be consumed. So it's important that we remember where, where, where that we came from. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says, therefore, let the one who thinks he stands firm 
immune to temptation, being overconfident and self-righteous. Take care that he does not fall. What's he saying there? He says, you better watch out. You better remember from, from, from where you came from. In the Old Testament, and I'll close with this. In, in the Old Testament, God required the people of Israel. He required them to live in a hut seven days a year. And it's actually called Sukkot, S-U-K-K-O-T. And it was a part of Feast of Tabernacles. He required them to seven days out of the year. He told them, he says, now, I brought you out of the bondage of Egypt. How many of the Lord brought you out? God told him, he says, he says, there was a time whenever you were a slave in Egypt. They beat you, they whipped you, they owned you, they killed you. You built their pyramids by hand, right? You formed the rocks, and, and I used Moses, and I brought you out of bondage. I brought you out of tyranny. I redeemed you from hell on earth. I'm the one that brought you out. Not only did I bring you out, but he says, and then I brought you to the promised land. And he says, I brought you to a place that was flowing with milk and honey. Big fat grapes. Big luscious olives. And he said, I even brought you to vineyards you did not plant. He said, there were those that went before you and prepared the way for you to sit where you sat. Where you sit today is because somebody else went before you. He said, I brought you to houses that you did not build. Into gold that you did not mine. He says, I redeemed your life from destruction. So he says, so that you don't forget from whence you came and get all messed up. He says, seven days a year, you can't live in your home. In your nice, pretty little home with all of your conveniences. He says, you're going to have to build, they called them a booth. In the, in the Old Testament, you can read it in Leviticus. He says, you're going to build a booth with a thatch roof. And for a week, you're not going to live in your house. You're going to live in this booth for seven days. So that you remember the wilderness, the time that you spent in the wilderness. Before you ever made it to the promised land. Seven days a year, you're going to remember where you came from. What I brought you out of. Because how many of y'all know sometimes it's easy to forget? It's easy to forget. It's easy to forget just how busted we were, right? Just how much of a mess we were. Because time heals all wounds. Yeah, but it also creates new ones. And it can create the wound of apathy and a wound of self-righteousness and, and a wound of, 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 of entitlement. So he required them. In, in practicing Jews, Jews that practice Judaism to this day, they do this. It's during the Feast of Tabernacles. They still, they, they make a booth. The way that they really do it, though, is it's basically in their house, which I think is kind of cheating. Because uh, to do it the right way is to get out there with the skeeters. How many of you ever camped for a week before out with skeeters, right? Sleeping on the dirt. How many of you, whenever you get home, you are ready to be home? My God, I meet up. I got chiggers in places all over me. I got chiggers. I got skeeters. I've been eating Vienna sausages. <laughs> baby, baby. <laughs> right? You want your silly posturepedic, right? After a week <laughs> of living in the dirt, getting eat up by bugs, right? You are so glad that you 
our home. And God required them to always keep that in their mind where they came from. So for us to protect our unity within our company, right? That, 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 that we don't think too highly of ourselves, right? We remember from which we came and we endeavor to take the high road with one another. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll take, I'll take the high road. Yeah, you park here. You, you, you sit here. You, you do this. You, here, let me get that for you. I'll help you. Blah, blah, blah. And he says, whenever that happens, he says, there's, there's an oil that comes from heaven. And it comes down the head of the church. It comes down his body. And he says, that's where my blessing is. And we all want the blessing of God, don't we? I mean, everybody wants the blessing of God. But it's in our company. It's, it's in our company. That's why there's another scripture. And I didn't put this in your notes. But one of my favorite scriptures is it says that, that don't forsake the assembly together. The way my pastor always told it to me is he says, there's some assembly required in other words, we've all bought swing sets and regretted it. Yes. Have you bought a swing set and regretted it? Why? Because whenever you go to pick it up at receiving, it's not a swing set. It's a box that's about this wide and it weighs about 800 pounds. And it's got about 4 million parts on the inside of it with really poor directions. But the one thing the directions tell you is some assembly is required. In other words, in order for you to swing on that swing set, there's going to have to be parts put in place, right? And there's going to take some grease to oil the hinges, right? There's going, to, there's going to be some assembly that's required that once you step back from it, though, you say, now that, that's what we built, right? That, that, that God blessed that. He anointed that. He built that. But there's always some assembly required. So the united pursuit for us to go forward, we have to maintain this, right? We're the, like nasty dogs, right? Right? The nasty dogs that, that we are a company, that we're a body of believers.